awesome that we can gather together to uh, to worship and fellowship together and, and meet together as God's people. And that's you know that's what church is. It is uh, the called out ones. We're called out from the world and we're called together to enjoy uh, enjoy life together and to worship together and study God's word together. And so I'm thankful for this opportunity for us to assemble and to to meet together and and worship and. Uh, Last Sunday night, immediate first Baptist went very well. Uh, everything well received, and all the all the Psalm 141 will be our call to worship today. We're going to look later in the service as Zacharias goes into the holy place to offer the incense to burn incense in the holy place. And uh, here we see that the incense represents the uh, the gives a visual uh, a visual symbol of the prayers of the people going up before the throne and the presence of God. And so uh, Psalm 141. Psalm 141 is a Psalm of David. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work, with, who work iniquity. And do not let me eat of their delicacies. Let the righteous strike me. It shall be a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked. The judges are overthrown by the sides of the cliff, and they hear my words, for they are sweet. Our bones are scattered at the mouth of the grave, and when one plows, it breaks up the earth. But my eyes are upon you, O Lord my God. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me, and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape safely. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are so thankful that we can gather together this morning and, uh, and, and send our prayers like incense to the throne of grace, our prayers that we offer in the name of Jesus because of who he is and what he has accomplished for us on the cross and the fact that he is ever living seated at your right hand, making intercession for us. And Lord, you have sent your spirit to also intercede for us with groans that we cannot understand. Lord, we thank you for the power and the privilege of prayer coming to your throne of grace to receive help and mercy in our time of need. Lord, And we thank you that our prayers are heard. And Lord, that you remember your people, you remember your covenant, you remember your promises, and you come down to, to do and to work and to perform your purpose and your grace, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for answered prayers. And Lord, we pray that you would grant in us a heart that is seeking and looking for the answer. And Lord, a heart that will be believing. And then Lord, help us to have lips that are eager to proclaim your goodness and your faithfulness, to speak your kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And so Lord, we have gathered together to this day to worship and we pray that through the singing the praying, the preaching of your word, that we would be encouraged, that we'd be edified, that our faith would be built up and strengthened. But Lord, we pray that we would also be equipped then to go from this place 
and to be your witnesses and to be ambassadors and to speak life, speak truth, speak the gospel to those who desperately need to hear it. And so, Lord, help us as we seek to worship you. Enable us, empower us to worship you in spirit and truth. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And all right, let me encourage you to take out your hymnal and turn with me to hymn 122. All right, if you have your Bibles as we continue to worship, take your Bible and turn with me to uh, uh, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1. And we are going to look at the same passage that we looked at last week. We are looking at a passage where an angel appears to Zacharias in the holy place and announces the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, his name will be John, which means God is gracious because that is the name that uh, the angel delivers to Zacharias. His name will be the Baptist because baptizing will be the characterization, the, the visible manifestation of his ministry as he goes before the Lord to prepare a people uh, to receive him, a people for the Lord, and uh, that will be shown, demonstrated in a baptism of repentance as people confess and turn from their sin and prepare to receive the coming of the Lord. And so we see the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. And we are looking at this passage three different times to look at it from three different perspectives. Last week we looked at the perspective from, uh, of Elizabeth who was barren and considered that to be a reproach. And she says, she declares that the Lord has looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people as she would conceive and give birth to the Lord's prophet, to the Lord's man, to John, that would come to be called John the Baptist. Next week, we will look at the mission of John the Baptist that the angel gives to Zacharias next week, Lord willing. We will look at uh, that mission, what it means for John, and what his work among the people will be that is given to him, uh, to his father directly by the angel. But today, we will focus on Zacharias, the one who actually receives this announcement and the response that he, uh, that he makes. And uh, Zacharias' name means the Lord remembers. And really, you think about that, his response, that's really a, uh, uh, the theme of, uh, of this, this passage, the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers his people. The Lord remembers his promises to deliver them. The Lord remembers the covenant that he has made with Abraham and with, with David. The Lord remembers. And now the Lord begins the actions that will bring uh, into fulfillment the promises that he has made as he is making preparation for the arrival of the king, the arrival of King Jesus. And so Zacharias, uh, the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, from the perspective of Zacharias, the Lord remembers. And so let's look at Luke chapter one, and I'll begin reading in the fifth verse and read through verse 25, the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist from the eyes of Zacharias. Luke writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and after having made careful investigation, he writes in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 5, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then, 
An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor, snor nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth of it. Lord, we thank you that you have spoken, and you've spoken to us authoritatively, as your Holy Spirit has carried Luke along so that he would write words that you would claim as your own, words that have been breathed out by you. And Lord, we thank you that you have preserved those for us. And we have your word in our hands. And Lord, when we read your word, when we have your word read to us, we are hearing you speak to us. And so Lord, we pray that you would tune our hearts to your word. And Lord, that we would be encouraged because you remember. You remember your people. You remember your promises, you remember your purposes, and you work them out in ways that stagger our imagination. And so, Lord, help us to hear, help us to believe, and then, Lord, help us to speak, to speak the wonderful things, the glad tidings, the good news, the gospel that you have revealed to us in and through your word and through your spirit. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're looking at the announcement of the book of Zacharias. Today we will focus on that announcement from the perspective of Zacharias. The Lord remembers. He has remembered his people. He has remembered his covenant. He has remembered his promise. And he has come down to begin the actions that will bring all of that into fulfillment. And he sends his angel, Gabriel, to appear to Zacharias to give him this good news, these glad tidings, this great announcement. 
And we met Zacharias a little bit last week. We see that he is a priest and he has married uh, one of the daughters of Aaron. You know, a priest would be required to marry a virgin daughter from the sons of Israel, but not necessarily from the tribe of Levi or from the, uh, uh, the high priest. But Zacharias married a virgin daughter from the sons of Aaron. So Elizabeth not only uh, is of the tribe of Levi, but she is also a descendant, a direct descendant from the first and great high priest, Aaron, the high priest of Israel. And so they are uh, descendants of Aaron. They are righteous before the Lord, seeking to do that which is pleasing in his sight, to honor him. They believe God and they desire to live a life that is pleasing to him, and they have hearts seeking after God, and their faith is revealed in their obedience as they walk in the commandments of the ordinances of the Lord in a blameless way. And yet, they have no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. And then we see in verse 8 that... As Zacharias was serving as a priest before the Lord of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And so we have seen that Zacharias is of the order of Abijah. And uh, during the days of Zacharias, during the days of John the Baptist and Jesus, there was, uh, the priesthood was divided into 24 orders. 24 groups of the priests, and there were far more priests than there were priestly duties. And so there were a lot of priests who uh, uh, just hung around and uh, didn't very often get to perform the duties of a priest. And so there were 24 orders, and each order would come to Jerusalem for eight days twice a year. And so for eight days, from Sabbath to Sabbath... This order, the order would come to Jerusalem and perform all of the functions in the temple, and they would do that twice a year. So if you were a priest, you were one of the orders of 24, and for two weeks during the year, you would come to Jerusalem and really perform your priestly duties. The, last, the rest of the time, you would just be a Levite in, in the town where you lived, in the town where you resided. And so, uh, by God's providence, this week comes, and it is time for... Uh, uh, Zechariah's order, the order of Abijah to perform their duties. And one of the duties that was performed was the burning of incense. And incense would be burnt twice a day. At the morning prayers, 9 o'clock in the morning, and then in the evening, the afternoon sacrifice, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, incense would be burned in the temple. But again, there was far more priests than there were priestly duties. And so who got to perform those special duties, those special tasks? Well, it was determined by the casting of lots. And so there were a lot more priests than there were things for priests to do, and so they would cast lots, and uh, uh, the lot would determine who it would be that would get that honor of burning incense that particular day. And uh, the casting of lots, as we see in the Scripture, was a way that God gave to His people to determine His will. Uh, he gave them the Urim and the Thummim and the Old Covenant, and uh, uh, that was given a, a, as a way for the people to determine the will of God before the coming of the Holy Spirit and before the, the, uh, the completion of the New Testament, the revelation of God. Casting lots was a way that was given to determine His will. And, and even the author of Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 16.33 that the lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. 
And so on this particular day, by God's providence, Zacharias, from the order of Abijah, was in Jerusalem serving his eight-day assignment. And on this day, the lot was cast to determine who would go into the holy place and burn incense, and the lot fell by God's providence, by God's direction, to Zacharias. And so Zacharias was selected on this day to go into the holy place and burn incense. And this would be an incredible honor. This would be actually a once-in-a-lifetime experience. There were so many priests. There were far more priests than there were priestly duties. And even though this happened twice a day during your eight-day time, this is something that would only come to you. It may not come at all. But if it did come, it would only come one time in your life after you had performed this duty you were removed from the lot from the lottery and you would never be selected again so this is a once in a lifetime experience in the life of Zacharias and we can only imagine how many times Zacharias is an old man and how many times he had come to Jerusalem for his eight-day tour of duty and uh, to, and twice during those 16 times during that tour of duty they would cast lots to see who would get the honor the privilege of going into the holy place and burning incense in the presence of the Lord and how many times Zacharias was disappointed when the lot did not fall to him and someone else got that honor and that privilege but on this day as Zacharias had watched that many times as he had participated in this many times and now he's old and he knows he's not going to have too many more chances he's getting old finally on this day the lot falls to him in a once in a lifetime opportunity a once in a lifetime experience probably the, the highlight the highlight of his life's ministry as a priest he was finally selected to go into the holy place and burn incense before the Lord what a great honor and something that had been happening in Jerusalem for thousands of years. It was established in the, in the desert. And so the one selected by Lot, he would go to the altar outside in the courtyard of the temple and get fire from the altar, from the altar of burnt offering, that fire that was to never go out. He would take fire from the altar and he would take an incense that was made from a special recipe that was dictated, giving given ingredient by ingredient directly from the Lord to Moses on Mount Sinai, this incense that, that had this special recipe directly revealed from the Lord, this fire from the burnt altar, from the, burnt, from the altar of burnt offering, and this incense specially made with step-by-step instructions, a step-by-step -step recipe from the Lord. He takes these two things and he goes into the holy place. And the holy place would be big, but almost empty. A table of showbread, and it would be dimly lit. There would only be one lampstand with seven branches, seven uh, receptacles, seven flames lighting the whole place. It would be very dimly lit. There would be the table of showbread, and then right before the veil, that separated the holy place from the holy of holies would be the altar of incense, the golden altar of incense that was most holy to the Lord. And on the day of atonement, the high priest would take the blood of the ram before he went to the holy holies and he would 
cleanse and purify the altar of incense. And that altar of incense is right before the veil. Right in front of the veil that separates the holy place from the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies is the ark of the covenant. Where only the high priest could go and the high priest could only go once a year. And on that day of atonement, but now it was Zacharias' honor and privilege to take fire from the altar of burnt offering and incense and go to that most holy altar of incense and use that fire to burn that incense to symbolize the prayers of all the people going up before the presence of God, right before that veil of the Old Testament. And so you can imagine the, the awesomeness. This once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, the pinnacle of his lifetime of service as a priest, to go right outside the veil of the Holy of Holies, to be closer to the presence of the Lord than he'd ever been in all of his life, and to do this act of a priest that he would only be able to do once in his life, representing all the people, his whole nation, all the people before the throne of God, sending their prayers to the throne of grace. In this empty, dimly written, dimly lit, holy place, you can just imagine the sense of awe and reverence as he prepares to perform this most holy task. But you can also imagine a little bit of fear. I can't imagine a priest going into the holy place to burn incense on their one, uh, their one time in their life without thinking about Nadab and Abihu. I know that if I was given that task, Nadab and Abihu would be forefront on my mind. Because you remember Nadab and Abihu died before the Lord because they offered profane and so Zachariah's gotten fire from the altar of burnt offering he has uh, uh, gotten the incense and he goes into this holy place completely and totally mindful that I have got to do everything just right this is a very precise ceremony and everything has to be right my heart has to be right Everything has to be right. I don't want to end up like Nadab and Abihu. And so you walk in with this overwhelming feeling of awe and reverence going closer to the presence of God than you've ever been to do this one task, but know that everything has to be exactly right. The wrong heart, the wrong action could result in Zacharias being consumed by God's holiness like Nadab and Abihu. So that's a little bit what uh, Zacharias is experiencing on this day. On his eight-day tour of duty, selected to go into the holy place to burn incense before the Lord, representing the prayers of the people going up before the Lord. And as he's there, we see that the whole multitude, all the multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. They were praying. And Zacharias was going to offer the visible symbols of their prayers going up to the throne of grace, the throne of God.
And as Zacharias enters that large, dimly lit room, verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now Luke doesn't give us a description of him or his garments later and uh, the end of his book when the women go to the tomb he describes the angels of the Lord as dressed in shiny garments but here all he tells us is that the angel of the Lord is standing by the altar of incense this room is supposed to be empty Zacharias is the only one that's supposed to go in there and now there's another being standing there by the altar of incense he's gone in with the spirit of awe and reverence and trepidation and anxiety and fear as he's going to perform this task and all of a sudden there's somebody there's not supposed to be here and uh, you can imagine you're focused on your task you're focused on your mission you're focused on the burning of incense you're making sure that you do everything exactly right it's the only time in your life you've ever been able to do it you haven't been able to practice but I'm sure that he dreamed about it many times and went through it in his mind if he if a case of lots ever fell to him and so he's focused on his task he enters this empty room and there's somebody there that's not supposed to be here and you can know how he responded. He uh, was troubled. And that word literally means to shake. You know, he sees this person that's not supposed to be there, and he's startled, and he begins to shake, and he is, he is afraid. Fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Well, that's easy for him to say. He's not the one that's going to drop dead if everything doesn't go just right. <laughs> but the angel tells him, Don't be afraid. And then he gives the announcement so the announcement is made and look at the words of the angel to Zacharias your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias makes his announcement or the angel makes his announcement to Zacharias, and we will break that out next week as we look at the ministry, the mission of John the Baptist. But we see the setting of this announcement by God's providence. Zacharias is alone in the holy place. He sends his angel Gabriel from his presence to give this announcement, to announce that his prayers, or his prayer has been heard. And you know, when we first look at this, we might think that he is speaking of the prayer for a son, the prayer that Elizabeth's womb would be open, the prayer that they would have a child. But uh, it, it appears based on his words in verse 18 that he stopped praying about that. He's given up that because he and his wife are both of advanced age. Most likely what Gabriel is addressing here is the prayer that he has gone to offer on behalf of the people. He is the, high, he is the priest selected by lots to go and burn incense of the altar of incense before the presence of the Lord. Going to confess the sins of the people and to pray for the redemption of Israel and to pray for the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, 
and to pray for the coming of the kingdom of God. That's the prayer that he's going into the holy place to offer. And the angel says, your prayer has been heard. God remembers his people. God remembers his covenant. God remembers his promises to Abraham and to David and to all the children of Israel. And God is beginning the events that will bring the Christ, the Messiah, into the world. And with him, with the coming of the king, the coming of the kingdom of God. Your prayer for the coming Christ, the coming kingdom, has been heard. God has remembered his people. And that coming will be inaugurated. The beginning will be the birth of a son to Elizabeth and Zacharias. Your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And so God providence God ordains the setting for this announcement and has ordained it and it's been happening for thousands of years and now the angel of the Lord appears to the priest there in the holy place and announces that God has remembered his people he is sending the king and the kingdom of God is at hand so we see the announcement and then we see Zacharias response to the announcement in verse 18 Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? And we see that the angel perceives that this question comes from doubt. How shall I know this? And the angel says, you did not believe. This question comes from his unbelief. God has said, I've rem- your prayer is answered. You are going to have a son. And Zacharias does not believe. He doubts the word of the Lord and he asks for a sign. How shall I know this? I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Your plan to bring your king into the world, uh, beginning with my wife and I having a son, well, that's impossible. That can't happen. We're too old. There's no human way for that to happen And so how shall I know that the rest of it is going to take place? This cannot be. We've given up praying for that. We've stopped asking because there's no human way. And you know, sometimes we pray and we ask God to do things and we don't necessarily really expect that he's going to answer. We pray out of duty, we pray out of uh, uh, a sense of obligation, or we pray out of habit. And when God answers our prayers and tells us our prayers will be answered, we wonder, how can this be? There's no ordinary way for this to happen. It reminds me of the story of Peter being in prison. And the people gathered, the church gathered together and praying for Peter to be released. And the angel of the Lord comes and leads him out of prison. Peter goes and knocks on the door. And the people are praying for his release. And the lady uh, shuts the door, leads Peter out in the street. Goes and tells the people that uh, Peter's at the door. You've been praying for Peter to be released. He's standing at the door. And they say, oh, that's no way. No, surely that's his ghost. That can't happen. In the same way, people have been praying for the Redeemer, and now Zacharias, God remembers, and he's going to begin the process of bringing the king into the world. You and Elizabeth are going to have a baby. How can this be? Show me a sign. 
And so Zacharias is unbelieving. Zacharias doubts. He doubts the word of the angel. And he asks, how shall I know this? It's humanly impossible. We've given up on that. There's no way for that to happen in the ordinary way. And the angel answered and said to him, well, you should believe because of who I am. I am Gabriel, one of two angels named in the scripture, Michael and Gabriel. I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And God has sent me to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings, this good news. Also the word translated the gospel, this good news. God has sent me to speak to you and bring you this great news, this message of joy. You will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of the birth of your son. God has sent me directly from his throne here to the holy place to appear to you as you burn incense to tell you that your prayers are heard. God has sent you an angel and you don't believe it. You are doubting the word of the Lord. You're doubting that God has remembered and that he can do his work when all human expectation is gone and all the human possibilities have been exhausted God is not limited by our humanness nor is he limited by our unbelief Zacharias and Elizabeth are faithful people righteous people and yet flawed people and even Zacharias seeing the angel from the Lord doubts the word from the Lord but our unbelief does not limit God, but it does can result in uh, the, our limitations. And so Zacharias asked for a sign. How shall I know this? And the angel tells him, you yourself will be the sign. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. He asks for a sign. He will be the sign. And then when he goes out to the people, he has to speak to them in sign language because he can't speak. And so he asks for a sign. He becomes a sign. And what is that sign? He will not be able to speak until the day these things take place. Why? Because of his unbelief. This is God's discipline, God's chastisement for his unbelief. He will not be able to speak. In verse 21, the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he gathered so long in the temple. Now, this happened two times a day, every day, every day, and it had happened for thousands of years. And the people were standing outside praying as the priests went in and burnt the incense to symbolize their prayers going up before the throne of grace. They knew exactly how long it happened. They was going into the holy place. There was not to be any dilly-dally, and everything had to be... They'd done exactly right, step by step, by very precise. They knew exactly how long it would take. And then when he did not come out on time, they maybe feared that what had happened to Nadab and Abihu had happened to Zacharias because he was not supposed to be in there that long. You're supposed to go in there and do the deed, and you're not supposed to dilly-dally. You're not supposed to mess around. You're not supposed to do anything extra. And so they were surprised. They were amazed that he didn't come out on time. And then when he came out, he could not speak to them. When he came out, he was supposed to announce the blessing of Numbers chapter 6. The Lord 
bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Zacharias was unable to fulfill that last part of his mission. He was not able to speak the blessing on the people as he came out having burned incense on their behalf. He could not come and announce the Lord's blessing on them because he could not speak. But more profoundly, he had just received the best news in all of human history and he couldn't share it. The Lord had sent his angel Gabriel to appear to him in the holy place to tell him that the Lord remembered his people and that the Lord is beginning the final phases of the bringing of his kingdom, that the king is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Christ is on his way. And God is sending the one that fulfills the last words of the Old Testament. He will send one in the prophet of uh, uh, in the spirit and power of Elijah. It's coming. God has been silent for 400 years. For 400 years we have not heard, thus said the Lord. The last thing we've heard, he's going to send someone in the spirit of Elijah. And now it's here. And Zacharias just got this word from the Lord. And he can't tell anybody. <laughs> He's got the best news ever, and he can't speak. The best he can do is sign language, gestures. He can't share that good news because of his unbelief. And I can imagine Zechariah felt like Jeremiah felt. When Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29, his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. God had given him this message. It was burning in him, and he desperately wanted to tell his people the good news, and he couldn't. And it was burning in his bones. And, I, and Jeremiah said, I was weary of holding it back. I can imagine that's what's in the heart of Zacharias right now. I have this great news, and I can't tell anybody. And I can't tell anybody because of my unbelief. Because I doubted the word of the Lord. I doubted that he could act in a way that went a bit above and beyond human understanding and human possibilities and human capabilities. I doubted that God can use deeply flawed people for the accomplishment of his purpose. And now I've got the best news in the world and I can't tell anybody. Because I can't speak. So he came out, he could not speak to them. They perceived that he'd seen a vision, but he couldn't explain it to them. And he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as the days departed of his service were completed, he departed to his own house. He went back to that no-name village in the, in the hill country of, of Judea. Still unable to speak. And even Elizabeth, his wife, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't tell anybody that she was pregnant until it became obvious and she didn't have to explain it. She said nothing to anybody for five months. She didn't talk. She didn't necessarily want to be Zachariah's spokesman. 
she couldn't read, and so we don't know how much she was able to hear from Zacharias. And so Elizabeth hid herself for five months, knowing that the Lord had taken away her reproach. So, wow, what an awesome thing. When you think about Zechariah, all the things that had happened to him this day, the, the greatest honor, the highlight of his ministry, a once-in-a-life opportunity to go closer to the presence of the Lord than he had ever been before in his life, beginning with that sense of awe and reverence and fear and then, and then being scared to death by seeing the Lord's messenger in the temple, somebody who's not supposed to be there, but delivering this message of great joy, a message that would bring joy to his own heart, gladness, and many would rejoice at his birth because God had remembered his people. And then because of his unbelief, he couldn't tell anybody. As I thought about that this week, I thought about us and the good news that we have. That, that message, glad tidings, verse 19, good news, gospel. You know, we've got more of the good news than Zacharias had. All Zacharias had was, you're going to have a son, he's going to go before the Lord. We've got the whole gospel. That right after John the Baptist's birth is announced, the angel's going to appear to Mary and announce the birth of God's own son. Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. God is going to send his own son into the world, born of a virgin. The king is going to come, the Messiah, the Christ, the king of heaven is going to come, and he's going to call people from every kingdom of the earth into the kingdom of God. We know that that son, that Jesus, will live a sinless life, a life of perfect righteousness. He will defeat the enemy in the desert, and he will defeat the enemy every day of his life as he's tempted in every way that we are yet without sin. He will defeat the enemy even taking uh, our sins to the cross and being tempted even to that moment to come down from the cross and save himself. But no, he refuses to save himself so that he might save us. As he dies for the sins of his people, bearing God's wrath for the punishment we deserve. We've got the great news of the gospel. The sinless life of Jesus, the atoning sacrificial death of Jesus, and the glorious resurrection of Jesus that God raised him from the dead to show that sacrifice was accepted and God's wrath has been turned away. We've got the good news. The gospel, the glad tidings. The greatest news ever, how sinners can be saved, how sinners can not be consumed by God's holiness, but instead be welcomed into his presence and given the gift of everlasting life by his grace through their faith in Jesus. We've got the gospel. We've got the greatest news ever. We've got the only news to tell sinners how they can be saved and how they can have everlasting life. And the question is, do we tell them? Do we tell them? Zacharias could not tell the, the good news because of his unbelief. We don't have that limitation. But sometimes we don't tell them because of our unbelief. May God create in us a burning 
to tell the good news. May we, like Zacharias and Jeremiah, say, His word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. And I was weary of holding it back. And then Jeremiah says one more thing that should be our prayer. And I could not. I could not hold it back. Because it's such good news. And they desperately need to hear. May God's word burn in us like a fire that we cannot shut up, that we cannot hold back. Let's tell the good news. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're so thankful for this text and for your word, Lord. And God, we can only imagine the heart of Zacharias. But Lord, we're thankful for your news. We're thankful that you speak and that you've made yourself known to us in your word and you've made yourself known to us perfectly in your son, Jesus. God, I pray that that good news, those glad tidings, that message of joy and gladness to all the people would burn within us and that we cannot hold it back. Lord, help us to be faithful. To tell sinners how they can be saved. To tell sinners the good news. To speak the gospel, the glad tidings of Jesus. Lord, find us faithful. And we pray that you would make us faithful. And that you would be pleased to make it fruitful. And that you would add to our number those that are being saved. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to take your hymnal. And... Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.